It is August and the first Chiefs preseason game is just upon us. Football season is back here in Kansas City and look I know everyone has been in full Kansas City Royals mode the past couple of years with how great everything's been with the Kansas City Royals but gosh this year has just not been uh, Kansas City's year when it comes to baseball and sports fans in Kansas City are looking forward to, to football season which is funny because two years ago and last year that just wasn't the case. Not many people in Kansas City were looking forward to football season, which which is normally the case every single year, but nowadays it's shifted back to Kansas City Chiefs football, and I don't know if that's a sign of bad things for the baseball team or whatnot. I know injuries have really been a killer for the Royals, but so many people in Kansas City are now in football mode, uh, especially with baseball season winding down, and uh, no one's expecting a uh, big surge kind of like what we saw with the Royals a couple of years ago in 2014 not expected this year so with that I think everyone here in Kansas City is in full football mode and the Kansas City Chiefs will have their first preseason game this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium against the Seattle Seahawks and well we're not gonna break down the preseason games too much we all know it's just a preseason we never know how many snaps or or how many uh times the offense is gonna be out there how many series they're gonna have and whatnot so it's kind of pointless to get into those kinds of things there are certain things to look out for of course a lot of people want to see what's going on with new Chiefs quarterback backup quarterback Nick Foles and yes I did say backup quarterback a lot of fans were ecstatic about this especially those who are not on the Alex Smith bandwagon or or maybe not necessarily the a bandwagon I don't know if Alex Smith has a big bandwagon for fans to jump on unless he goes off this year but there are a lot of people that you either like Alex Smith or, or you don't and a lot of people don't like him even Chiefs fans and so many people think that Nick Foles came in here to replace Alex Smith and hey Nick Foles said it himself Don't take it from me. He said that this is Alex Smith's football team. I mean, he is a backup quarterback and something the Chiefs needed because, let's face it, and I've been saying this the entire offseason ever since after the draft uh, prior to Nick Foles joining the Chiefs. I I talked about how Kansas City really doesn't have a viable backup now that Chase Daniel went over to Philadelphia with Doug Peterson. You have Tyler Bray, Aaron Murray, Kevin Hogan, who was just drafted this past year. Those guys combined for zero NFL snaps, and look, I know these guys accomplished a lot during their years as a college football quarterback. Aaron Murray, of course, had an illustrious career at the University of Georgia. Tyler Bray, well-known when he was a Tennessee volunteer, and Kevin Hogan, of course, uh, had some records when he was at Stanford, but again, you can give me every single credential these guys had in college, but the bottom line is, these guys haven't played an NFL snap. I think fans get this miss this preconceived notion, I guess, that just because you were great in college, you're going to be great in the NFL. And I get it. I mean, guys who are drafted sooner than others, uh, it's it's funny how sports fans view the NFL draft sometimes. A lot of fans will say, oh, well, they're just draft picks. We'll find out. But then when you think about Kansas City's case, they've been very lucky with guys in the third round. Justin Houston, Jamal Charles, both really some of the best at their positions. 
Chris Conley, I, I know we, we still haven't seen much of him, but he was a combine warrior a couple of years ago. People are still high on him, hoping he can be a prominent number two receiver behind Jeremy Macklin. But I, I think fans look at patterns and think certain things will happen. I remember the Chiefs once had the 199th pick in the draft under Scott Pioli, and fans assume that, uh, it, well, the reason I... I make a big deal out of that is because Tom Brady was the 199th pick when Pioli was with the New England Patriots and it's funny when it was uh time for the Chiefs to pick when they were on the clock that year and ESPN oh well let's not forget Scott Pioli had the 199th picking look who we picked so are, are we to sit here and say that every person that's the 199th pick becomes Tom Brady like in terms of just superstar status, it's 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 a rarity now. Sure, you can talk to me about the Priest Holmes of the world, the Trent Greens, guys who were drafted or or undrafted, uh, drafted later or didn't get drafted at all. Sure, they ended up having good careers. Uh, Jared Allen drafted as a long snapper, and look what kind of career he had in the NFL. So. It's hard to say. You never know how these careers are going to turn out. People like to make a correlation as to, oh, this person was drafted here, same time as this guy who wants to play the same position, or maybe even from the same school, and they think they're going to succeed just because of that. So, uh, again, just looking at the quarterback position, I I think there are so many things to make of this. And really, at at the end of the day, Alex Smith is your starting quarterback, and Nick Foles is your backup. What happens with Tyler Bray, Aaron Murray, and, and Hogan? It's hard to say. Hogan, of course, a draft pick from the fifth round this past year, or, or this year, I should say. Tyler Bray was given an extension recently. I don't know. Aaron Murray could be the odd man out in this situation. So it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds, and I would have loved to see Murray get some sort of an opportunity, maybe at least start one game, but again, a lot has to happen for a guy like Aaron Murray to even have that opportunity at some point in his career. I can't recall if he was ever the number two quarterback on game day. I think he was at the end of the 2014 season uh, when Alex Smith had to uh, sit out I believe that was due to a lacerated spleen, and Chase Daniel started that game against San Diego, and I think Aaron Murray was activated as part of the 53-man, the active roster for that game. He's normally one of the guys inactive. Uh, that, that's really all we've known about Aaron Murray when it comes to regular season football games. Sure, he's had some flashes in the preseason, but again, uh, I, I think we've got to be cautious and not take the preseason too seriously there are certain things to look at and to to consider i always say this the records don't count but what happens in the preseason i i think they matter to an extent if uh if eric fisher your the the highest paid left tackle in the nfl now if he's getting beat consistently in nfl preseason games well, well that's certainly a concern remember todd haley a, a few years ago he would leave the starters in the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game and the starters got torched green bay's second third hell maybe even their fourth stringers were winning the battle against the chiefs and that that was a concern to a lot of people and at that point you can't just sit there and say it's just a preseason your number ones are getting beat by an opposing team's threes 
So that's really all I'm looking for in these preseason matchups. Again, I remember, uh, I think it was 2009, it was Brett Favre's first game as a Viking. It was a preseason game. And I remember the Chiefs took a 10-0 lead uh, going to halftime. And I, I still remember on our social media pages that fans would get in there and make such a big deal out of how the Chiefs had a 10-0 lead. And I had to remind people, look, they're playing without Pat Williams and Jared Allen on the defensive line for the for, for the Vikings. So how can you get so excited? If you really want to take preseason games seriously, well, you've got to know that a lot of times teams sideline some of their starters and don't want them to play intentionally. That's kind of what the Chiefs are doing right now with guys like Jamal Charles, Tamba Bahali, and of course Justin Houston, which we'll get to later. But uh, this is a uh, this is a kind of an interesting season coming up for the Chiefs because I think defensively Kansas City's been dominant. The past couple of years, even in 2012, when the team only won two football games, I feel like this defense did a lot to help the team still be in position to try to win games. Uh, For those who may not remember, Kansas City held the Baltimore Ravens to nine points in a game that year in which the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl. But that was their worst game in terms of offensive scoring. Unfortunately, the Chiefs lost that one nine to six. I believe that was also the same game where Matt Castle got hurt and Brady Quinn came in and there was that drama with Eric Winston. Just to give you guys an understanding which game I'm referring to, uh, the reason I'm bringing up this defense in the past couple of years and how great they've been, uh, but really they didn't get noticed until 2013, I just don't know if we're going to see the same defense this year. Again, you've got guys that are currently not doing, uh, not, not practicing, uh, Justin Houston on the physical, unable to perform. Uh, Tom Bahali also on the pup, as is Jamal Charles. Uh, Jamal Charles and Tom Bahali expected to practice pretty soon. Definitely not going to play this weekend. Eric Berry, of course, he, he's not in camp because of a contract dispute uh, as a franchise player. But uh, you've got four pro bowlers who are not with the team right now. Not practicing, I should say. Three of them are with the team right now. Eric Berry, of course... Uh, sitting out the preseason, but John Dorsey spoke publicly on Wednesday and said that he expects all three of the guys, Eric Berry, Tom Bahali, and Jamal Charles, to be ready by the time week one of the regular season starts. And for the Chiefs, that exact date is on September the 11th at Arrowhead Stadium against the San Diego Chargers. The cloudy... Timetable is Justin Houston, who was given a 6-12-month recovery in February, and we ju- we're right around the 6-month mark. I believe we just passed it as to when he had the ACL surgery, and there's still no certainty as to when did Justin Houston's coming back. So at this point right now, you have to assume that D Ford is your starter going into week one of the regular season, and how is he going to do? He had some flashes. Last year against San Diego, most notably against the San Diego Chargers, he's had a couple flashes during his rookie season in 2014. Uh, had very few snaps, but in the very few times he played on the gridiron, he still made some plays. I believe he finished with one and a half sacks and not even a hundred snaps. I believe his as as a just on the defense side of the football. So that's something to consider with. D Ford. He's had these incidents where in the 
limited face time he's received, he's managed to impress the Chiefs at times. So how does he do when he becomes the primary guy and might start almost and play every single snap? I think that's going to be something to look for. And and by then, we might find out why the Chiefs drafted D Ford. You can't ever judge a guy just based off one football game. You know, if if, if a player goes out there and has a two interception game or a four sack game against a really good offense, sure, that's nice and all, and it's good to celebrate in the moment. But you can't assume he's going to do that every single week. People have to be able to. Prove themselves during a longer period of time. Of course, we saw that with Jamal Charles in 2009, and as he continued to prove his consistency and show that, that's when he got his contract extension at the time when Scott Pioli was the general manager of the team. And you got to be able to do things like that. D. Ford, uh, we, we just haven't seen anything from him. Eric Fisher, I know he hasn't been the most popular draft pick. In recent history with the Chiefs, but I think last year he showed a lot of good things. And in that postseason game against the Houston Texans, against J.J. Watt, and it was a rumor going around that he didn't want to face J.J. Watt in week one of last year when the Chiefs played the Texans. Then, you know, what do you make of that? He goes out there and just completely owns J.J. Watt in that football game, the playoff game. And, of course, he he was remembered for being shown on the video board and fans booing him, and he kind of went off on the fans a little bit. But you love that fire in a guy. You'd rather have that in a guy who's just pumped up, playoff mode, the team's about to pick up its first postseason win in forever. For some people, it's the first time in their lifetime they're seeing the Chiefs win a playoff game. So there have been a lot of positive things for the Chiefs in the past couple of years, but the thing that really gets me the most, and again, there there hasn't been a lot of hype for this Chiefs football team coming into training camp, and I don't know if that's because everyone was just so focused on the Kansas City Royals in Kansas City. Again, like I said, the past couple of years, uh... This uh, this city has really been different. When it's the NFL draft, fans were focused on baseball. They'll just check it out on their Bleacher Report or ESPN notification as to who the Chiefs drafted. And again, the Chiefs didn't necessarily have the most exciting draft pick. Uh, trading away their first round pick, I think that had something to do with it as well. Um, you know, when, when your first draft pick is a is a second round guy, and with all due respect to to Jones, I, I, I think he's going to be a, a, a talented player for the Chiefs. It, it it's not the most enticing thing in the world. It's not the most uh, exciting thing to, to to look forward to for the Chiefs. We'll see how this draft class pans out, but still, I think the media hype has played a role in this. There just hasn't been a lot of hype for the Chiefs un, un, until a couple of weeks ago. When I think a lot of people just came to the reality that the Royals were not going to make the playoffs. That's why I brought this up at the beginning of the show, and I and I want to allude to it one more time. I remember last year's NFL draft. Not many Chiefs fans watched, and I believe uh, it was Fox Sports Kansas City on Twitter that made a big deal about their ratings during the NFL draft for the Royals baseball game. I don't remember who they were playing at the time, but of course they were the number one team in the American league. So 
people didn't even care about the NFL draft. Which is impressive because football is king, especially in a place like Kansas City where Chiefs fans own the record for uh, for loudest stadium in the, in the world. And Kansas City fans have this reputation for being loud and passionate. And all of a sudden, all the focus is just across the street at the Truman Sports Complex. And now because the Royals are struggling a little bit, the Chiefs have gained back a lot of the attention. Because I remember a year ago at this time, not many people cared about the preseason or training camp. People were still in full Royals mode, and rightfully so, because that, that, that's a baseball team that went on to win the World Series. They were the number one team in the American League for most of 2015. But now because of just everything that's gone wrong with the Royals, especially during the second half of the summer, I think fans are just ready to close the book on this baseball season and move on to, to the next sport, whether it's for you, it might be Chiefs football or KU basketball, or, or maybe you're a fan of another NFL team. It may, maybe you're you're not even if you're in the Kansas City area, you're probably not a Chiefs fan. I take that back. I might say if you're a Royals fan, but not a Chiefs fan. And we have some Chiefs fans who aren't Royals fans. Understandable. But for the most part, obviously Chiefs fans and Royals fans are are, are the same group of fans. So a lot of people have really just. Close the book on baseball in 2016 and want to see what the Chiefs are going to be about this year. And the reason I'm making such a big deal of the defense and what's been going on as far as guys on the pup. A lot of people in the media now have been talking about the Chiefs and how this could be a good season building off last year's first playoff win in a long time and... How this team could be built for a Super Bowl run. And I really hate to put a damper on on this Chiefs team and the excitement that Sony fans have, but I've gotta I've gotta say it as it is. For those of you who've listened to the podcast for a long time, you guys know look, I keep it real, I like to say things as they are. And of course, as a fan, I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I I hope to, to, to see it go the other way around, but I really truly believe that this upcoming football season, I think Chiefs fans are in for a disappointment. The reason I've come to this conclusion is ever since the Chiefs have brought back the playoff experience back to Chiefs fans in 2010 during Todd Haley's second year, as the head coach of the Chiefs, there has been somewhat of a noticeable pattern. And again, I know I'm going to be self-contradicting myself to what I said earlier with college football players, but I think this this is a lot different. And I still think that this this something's got to got to make sense of this because I do believe this means something, as opposed to the comparison I made with college football players coming to the NFL. But ever since the 2010 season, when the Chiefs started turning into a playoff team again. Again, since 2010, in the last six years, the Chiefs have made the playoffs three of the last six years. Which is a good thing. But the three times the Chiefs have made the playoffs, it's been different. I'll start with 2010. The Chiefs were 1-2 against teams above 500. Only team they beat that year was the San Diego Chargers in week one of the NFL on the Monday night game when Dexter McCluster made his debut, had that nice pun return touchdown. 
But against teams that were 500 or below, the Chiefs went 9-4. and The 2011 season, the Chiefs didn't make the playoffs. They were 1-3 against teams above 500, 6-6 against teams below 500. 2012, of course we know that just wasn't a good year. 0-5 against teams above 500, 2-9 against teams uh, at or below 500. 2013, this is interesting. That's the year the Chiefs went 9-0 to start off the year uh, and to start off the Andy Reid era. The Chiefs, their record against teams that finished with a record at 500 or below, 10-0. Chiefs didn't lose to a bad football team that year. But when it came to playing teams above 500, the Chiefs were 1-5. And and the only team they beat was the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was a team that was led by Mike Vick at the time. And of course, that was Andy Reid's first game back at Philadelphia. And... The Eagles decided to yank Michael Vick and replace him with Nick Foles, who eventually took the Eagles to the postseason. Of course, that's the that's the year that Chiefs fans are talking about, the good year Nick Foles had uh, playing under Chip Kelly at the time and was able to help the Eagles make it into the postseason that year. But again, the Chiefs only won in five against teams above 500, so... There weren't a lot of quality wins that year. 2014 was a weird year because the Chiefs played really well against teams above 500, going 5-4, and four, defeating both the Seahawks and the Patriots, the two teams that went on to the Super Bowl and were also the number one seeds in their respective conferences. Of course, the Monday night game, uh, Chiefs fans remember that very well when, when the Chiefs demolished the Patriots and Belichick had the memorable on the Cincinnati press conference. Now, this past year, when the Chiefs got off to a really bad start going 1-5 and five, and then going on a 10-game winning streak to finish the regular season, they were 3-4 and four against teams above 500. Everyone else that at or below 500, the Chiefs were 8-1 and one against those teams. So bottom line here, from 2010 all the way through 2015, in the last six years, The three years that the Chiefs made the playoffs in 2010, winning the division that year, and then going in as a wild card in 2013 and 2015, the Chiefs simply took advantage of a very easy schedule. And I know 2013 and 2014, pardon me, 2015 and 2013, those are more pertinent right now because so many players on that 2010 roster aren't even on the team anymore. Uh, offensively, yeah, and I'm not going to go through the whole list. I think Jamal Charles is the only offensive player who's still on the team from that 2010 AFC West champion roster. But if you want to just look at records under Andy Reid, fine. Well, in 2015 and 2013, when the Chiefs made the playoffs, they lived off such an easy schedule by beating a bunch of bad teams and then winning a couple games here and there against teams with a record above 500, with a winning record, essentially. So, I'm not too sure if I'm ready to put the Super Bowl contending labor on this Kansas City Chiefs football team. I hope people don't take this as a as a hater commenter or, or, or something negative. I'm just looking at it the way it's been. I'm saying it the way it is. The Chiefs simply haven't shown up against good football teams. 
during Andy Reid's time here in Kansas City, with the exception of 2014, which is weird because 2014 the Chiefs didn't make the playoffs. Fans, I, I remember that year when the uh, Patriots and the Seahawks played each other or were getting ready to play each other in the Super Bowl. There were all these memes that Chiefs fans were putting out there about how their team defeated both of those teams and they're the true champions. Well, BS, all right? You've got to make the playoffs in order to to, to be a true Super Bowl champion. I did, l- let me just say this. What kind of a team are you if you beat the two teams that went to the Super Bowl, yet you can't even make the playoffs? If anything, I just think that's a wasted opportunity to even have a chance at the playoffs. Or the Super Bowl, I should say. To not even make the playoffs, go 9-7. and seven, uh, And of course, that three-game losing streak in that 0-2 start to the season, that didn't help the team at all. So overall, it's just one of those things where, for me, as much as I love the Chiefs and I would love to get all hyped up about this upcoming season, I can't quite get behind that hype because this is a football team that hasn't proven themselves in big seasons like 2013 and 2015 when they made the playoffs. And again, I I know what a lot of you guys are going to say about 2015. Well, Farzine, the Chiefs defeated the, the Denver Broncos in Denver, eventual Super Bowl champions. And I think Denver has such an impressive defense. And don't get me wrong, I know Peyton Manning was awful, but I think the Chiefs really just did a good job of taking advantage of Peyton Manning, something that not a lot of teams were able to do. And the Chiefs took advantage of that in week two as well, which could have been the difference maker as to who's playing a football game at home and who's on the road for the AFC West. Chiefs could have easily won that division had they secured that win in week two, but of course you can't dwell on that too much. My point is, look, everyone beats, it's, it's common in college sports. Those unranked teams, they beat a number one or number two or number three. You see a, a guy in the UFC like a Nate Diaz, the feat of Conor McGregor. Yeah, I, I think a great example for Chiefs fans, 2009, when the Chiefs stunned the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though Troy Palomalo was not expected to play, I think everyone looked at that game and said, this is going to be a piece of cake for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So every now and then, there are bad teams that win a game that they're not expected to to win. And great teams will lose a game or two that they shouldn't have lost to bad teams. So that happens often in sports. And by all means, the Chiefs weren't a bad football team. At the the time, they kind of were because they were still recovering from that five-game losing streak early on in the season. But of course, the Chiefs went on that big surge. And again, rightfully so. You can only play who's on your schedule. And it just turned out that for Kansas City, during that 10-game winning streak, uh, they played the eventual Super Bowl champions that just their offense was not in tune. And they played the Steelers part of that 10-game winning streak when Landry Jones filled in for Ben Roethlisberger. And of course, that, that will make a difference. And I think that also is something to consider. You know, who who are you picking up your wins again? Because if this was college football, it would be hard to make a, a case for the Chiefs, or would have been hard to make a case for the Chiefs, as to why they should be highly ranked, if that makes any sense. And I know what you guys are thinking, thank goodness this is in college football, because the Chiefs 
probably would not have been in the four-team playoff picture because of their quality wins. And I again, I know what what you guys are going to say. I'm a hater, and uh, you know the Chiefs made the playoffs. Yeah, of course, but uh, it, the same case could be made with the Houston Texans, who took advantage of a very easy division in the AFC South, and look what happened. They hosted the Kansas City Chiefs and just got blown out, shut out, I should say, dominated by the Chiefs. So again, I, 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 and I don't want to take anything away from the Texans because look, you have to do what you have to do. Take advantage of those weak divisions. The Chiefs did that in 2010 when they won the AFC West. They did that in 2013 and 2015 when they had easy schedules and found a way to win 11 games and become a wild card team each of those two years. But when it comes to a legitimate matchup in which the Chiefs had against the Patriots this past postseason, that's kind of, that's when you kind of saw the true colors of this football team. And I know Jamal Charles' injury, that didn't help a whole lot. Jeremy Macklin and Justin Houston's limitations also played a role. But look, nobody's 100%. Every, all 32 teams are dealing with injuries. If anything, I think the Packers in 2010 proved that you can't ever let injuries be an excuse. With how many players they had to go to the IR, I believe 15 or 16 players went to injured reserve that year. So if I want any of you guys to take anything away from this podcast of the Chief Zone, just be a little cautious here. Don't buy into the hype too much. I, I think there there's still a lot that that needs to happen. I mean, a lot of times we talk about predictions and how upset fans get and I'm sure some fans have called me hater it's okay I've been called a lot worse uh, by, by listeners but listen I remember this past winter when the baseball predictions came out and how outraged Royals fans were well look and again I know injuries played a role in the for the Royals this baseball season but those predictions are pretty accurate for the Royals aren't they then again, it's just a prediction. You know, there's no reason to get worked up. It's funny. I, I I put out a tweet how Colin Cowherd predicted that the Raiders are going to win the AFC West and the Chiefs would be a wild card team. Again, he has the Chiefs making it to the playoffs, and I had someone on Twitter respond and say, "Oh, Colin Cowherd's a hater for picking the Raiders to win the division and not the Chiefs." I mean, the Chief, he has the Chiefs going to the playoffs still, and, and somehow he's labeled as a hater. So. You know, if I'm a hater, so be it. I really just want fans to see this. And by the way, a lot of times when fans bring out those labels of hater and negative Nancy, I think that's because they're mad because they know some people are right when they they know what they're talking about when they throw these facts and statistics out there. So uh, I guess I would not be doing something right if fans were saying that about me, which I put on social media, especially an article about Marcus Peters, which I'll touch on on a different podcast. But you guys can uh, read that article that I uh, posted on my social media pages, facebook.com slash farzinevasugian and twitter.com slash farzine21. Check it out. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on touch more about that on a podcast next week. But I really do think this season Chiefs fans could be in for a disappointment. And I don't know if the Chiefs would even be able to finish above 500. I think that's 
how big of a disappointment we might be in for this year for Chiefs football. Again, hopefully I'm wrong, but I think there's there's a lot of supporting evidence that shows that this Chiefs football team might disappoint a lot of fans this year in Kansas City. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Big thanks to all of you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. As always, if you guys disagree with me, please let me know. Let's have a friendly debate over this on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian, and on Twitter, twitter.com slash Farzine21. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Thanks again for listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care.